Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of That's What Be Said, brought to you by Fansighted. Uh, guys, hello. We are all tired. It's a Tuesday night after a Browns loss. I am your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by, we've got Brittany here at Bird's Eye View. Hi, Britt. Hello, everyone. And Meredith, as always, at MK on Sports. Hi, Mayor. Hello. Ladies, very sad to report that our streak has ended. Man, what a loss yesterday, last night. Um, last second loss against the Ravens. The Browns have now moved to 9-4. and four. We are still holding that number five playoff spot. And it was pretty fun talking about being in the AFC AFC North um, first place run for about a day. And that ended, came crashing down after last night. And we have a lot to get into. Um, because even with the disappointing loss, there was a lot of positives to take away. And we hope that you guys find some peace in our positives. So I'm going to start with a temperature check from both of you. How are you guys feeling after settling in about 24 hours, rewinding and reflecting on what you saw last night? I feel like this is a loaded question, but Brittany, I'll start with you. Heck yeah, you'll start with me because I'm <laughs> feeling great. I Like, I don't understand why everyone is like so somber and sad about like they lost. Okay. But, you know, we talk about the AFC and how it's done and they can't. The Steelers are going to lose every game the, the rest of the way. They're going to lose three more games. So what's that bring them to? How many have they lost? One or two? They've lost two. 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 Yeah, so they're going to lose three more. I mean, guys, we're fine. I'm not panicking at all. We'll get into it. But, like, I feel better about this loss than I have about some of their wins. So I'm good. I'm chilling, drinking my coffee at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> We're good to go. I'm happy. That was me yesterday, <laughs> drinking coffee in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm in the same boat as Brittany. I am super optimistic for a lot of reasons. I mean, first off, Monday Night Football that was probably the game of the season in yeah. the entire NFL. Yeah, and yeah. the unfortunate part is that it went in the favor of the Ravens. Like that was that was a tough pill to swallow, but if you're looking at that game objectively, coming from behind and then winning on a 55-yard field goal with 2 seconds left on the clock, that yeah. is good football. But the reason I still feel optimistic is I think people have lost sight of how far the Browns have come since week one. Because week one against the Ravens, they couldn't even score a touchdown. They put two field goals yeah. up on the board. They scored six points. And then yesterday they hung 42. Like, that is a huge improvement. Like, if you can't look at this team week one, can't score a touchdown, week, what is it, 14, 13? I forget what week we're in. But, you know this far into the season and they hung that many up on the Ravens, that is a vastly improved football team. Yeah. I wasn't in a very good headspace last night. I have to say um, during the game, watching the game. And I know Brittany really doesn't waver in game. Brittany, it feels like you can control your emotions pretty well. You have a pretty good handle on things, which is hilarious. You know, I wouldn't say I can control my emotions well. Cause I cry <laughs> over like the weirdest shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, 
one time I cried because Jeb Bush took his glasses off and like <laughs> I sobbed because he said that he wouldn't do it and he did it. He gave in to public pressure and I didn't really like him, but like it just made me sad because it was Jeb and he took his glasses off. So like little things will make me cry. Some, oh, one time I was in a parking lot and this guy, <laughs> okay, in my defense, I was very tired. I was like driving like, uh, like 180 miles a day, right? And this was about eight months into doing that. So I went to the grocery store one night and there's this little Italian restaurant next to the grocery store. This is when I lived in North Carolina. And I was walking out back to my car and this guy was going to the store and he, he, you know, walked right next to me and he was in a walker. He was by himself. And he just asked me, he's like, do you know if that place has good spaghetti? <laughs> Guys, I just started <laughs> sobbing in the parking lot. I was like, yeah, I think it does. <laughs> So Aww. controlling emotions is not something that I do well, but I said, when I, when I was thinking about it today, I think this all goes back to a previous conversation that we had where, remember when we were talking about like our athletic styles, Brie? Yes. And like you were very competitive and I think um, like little dude is like real competitive and then Layla is like, well, whatever, as long as we're all having yeah. fun. And you're like, it drives me crazy that she's like that. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly how I am. Where, you know, and that's how I fan too. I'm the exact same kind of fan. It's not that I don't want the Browns to win. Of course I want them to win. I always want them to win. But, you know, also because I am a big Cleveland Cavaliers fan and I have been I have been leading the charge on growth and development and getting excited for new beginnings, new possibilities. So like it's sort of just in my DNA to to look at the bright side of things. So yeah, even I, last I, night, you, you looked at Kevin Stefanski just chilling oh, when there was gosh. like two minutes left. That man had no emotion. I was like, good Lord, how is he doing it right now? But I mean, you know, there was only one moment where I was upset last night and we'll get into that. But other than that, like I was having a great time, hanging out with my mom, watching this game. She was stressed. Was she? Well, I have to say, like, I'm very thankful for our group chat during game days slash game nights because it does really help keep me grounded and just having a conversation, being distracted. Because right before kickoff, I, I got this crazy phone call, um, not related to obviously anything Browns related, just personal stuff that just kind of like rocked my world right before the game started. So I felt just very flustered going mm -hmm. into the game. And then I felt like the emotions of watching the game and just the roller coaster of ups and downs did not help in that I went into the game just very distracted and upset about something like completely different. So um, I, I don't think that helped me at all. But I will say like just being in our group chat, I feel like you guys calm me down. We have conversations about what we're seeing. And then my husband is, is like you, Brittany, like very just relaxed and composed. But he fell asleep. In the I can't believe that. Game. I cannot and believe I that. Was so angry at him. Jeff, so what angry. are you doing? How do you fall asleep during that? Just casually I, okay. noses off. <laughs> in, in his defense, I have done the same thing, especially on those late night games, because uh, I'm old and I like to sleep. So I mean, <laughs> I and it's not. Him. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I was watching the game last night you know from the comfort of my own home as a fan and not necessarily at work for it I don't think I would have fallen asleep but there have been some late night games that I've watched where I've dozed off and like I wake up and the game has been over for an hour so I I can relate with Jeff 
I, I don't know how he he stayed asleep though. I was like poking him when exciting things were happening, <laughs> and and he was his like eyes would flutter up. He's like I'm watching, and then finally. <laughs> such an old dad move you know like how, like when did it come to this i'm watching he's, he's he did peak, finally he's peak dad yes peak dad moment right there but he did finally wake up in the fourth quarter i think with like six minutes left to go at that moment i was like pacing i wasn't even sitting um so yeah he 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 stayed awake for the end of it but then like we lose in last second fashion and then he just like dozes off again meanwhile my adrenaline is i could have ran a marathon after that game i was oh yeah so like heightened at that moment in time oh yeah i was up to to like 3 a.m i think yeah i could not fall asleep oh so it was really rough really rough waking up this morning i think for Mm -hmm. all of us and we're gonna break down the game um go over all those moments those emotions and I wanted to kick off with this because there's been a lot of rhetoric floating around the internet today, a lot of reactions, obviously, with, with how the Browns lost, but also how well they played. Just such a weird oxymoron to say that. Um, and Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Foot Not Football gave the Browns credit today, which all of the national shows today were all about the Ravens, rightfully so. They won the football game. There, there were super weird storylines throughout the game too that you could talk about to tie this all in it was like watching a movie script play out but Kyle Brandt essentially said yes the Ravens won yes Lamar Jackson came through at the end when they needed him to but he had complete confidence that the Browns just ran out of time meaning that there was only two seconds left when the Browns were getting back the ball and he said and I, I won't quote him because I don't know if this was the exact right quote, but he said Baker Mayfield would have marched right down the field and scored to win the game again had there been more time left on the clock. Yeah. And I have to say, I agree with that take. And I want to talk about this and, and a couple of other things that have kind of stemmed from this. So the Browns scored to go ahead by one point with one minute and four seconds left on the clock. I want to ask you guys, did they score too soon? As soon as I saw that there was a minute and four seconds left, I looked at my mom and I was like, they left Lamar too much time to go down the field. You can say that almost about any quarterback these days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way quarterbacks do, like, the the two-minute, one-minute drill, like, it's phenomenal. Yes. But, like, especially when you have a guy like Lamar, who the Browns could not stop last night, as soon as I saw there was a minute left, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's an eternity to people like that. And I was like, this is, this is, I don't think this is going to end the way we want it to. And when you have a field goal kicker like that, that can, that can make those long kicks. Like, a minute is plenty of time. Yeah, except for last week. <sighs> of course he sucked, you know, the week that we didn't play him for the first time in, like, his career. Exactly. Yeah, there's something going on with kickers because on Sunday, what was it, the Vikings kicker missed, like, what was it three or four extra points or something ridiculous like that it was like a high school game meredith do you have what do you think do you also think too much they scored too soon well it's really funny because if you bring up the um the quote from kyle brandt about baker not having enough time maybe they didn't score fast enough Maybe they should have scored faster, knowing how quickly Lamar would have marched down the field. Although, granted, if the Ravens had more time, they would not have settled for a field goal. They would have gone for a touchdown, but because they only needed a field goal to win, that's what they went for. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I I do think 
that they left too much time on the clock, but I think they also realized they didn't have a choice. Like they had to take the touchdown when they when it was there. And if they didn't take it, they wouldn't have scored at all. And that would have given the Ravens defense an opportunity to stop them. So it's a really tough situation. I think one of the one fault I'll give St- Kevin Stefanski on that performance was I think Lamar threw uh he threw a pass that would have been a first down conversion and it was incomplete, but Kevin Stefanski called a timeout before the snap. And then when they reconvened, Lamar threw the ball and it and converted to the first down. So that was a little tough, but I mean, I guess you can't really put too much on Kevin Stefanski because you have no idea that, you know, Lamar is going to throw an incomplete pass before you call a timeout. So that was, that was a tough one and that was hard to take back, but yeah. Yeah, and he also said, I think in his press conference too, he didn't expect Kareem to actually go down and score a touchdown. Like that that play design wasn't for Kareem to score a touchdown. Um, so obviously give credit to Kareem because he got a touchdown out of the play. Um, and, and my whole theory and take on this, it's really tough because do you want Kareem to run out of bounds? How many times have the Browns not scored like on the one yard line? That sounds so weird to say, but you're not guaranteed to score a touchdown. No, Even absolutely. if you're at the one yard line, like you can fumble the ball, like that's happened before. So I think decision making wise, Kareem Hunt, he needed to score. Like you, you don't do that on purpose unless you're Nick Chubb and you know that the game is over. And then you have to bounce. <laughs> but that was the only reason I even thought of that when he did it. I was like, <laughs> oh, they probably should stretch that out a little bit longer. But like, I wouldn't. If Nick Chubb had not done that early, I, I would not even. That would not have crossed my mind at all. Yeah, so thanks, and- Nick Chubb, for being <laughs> such a team player that now I question everyone who's not. <laughs> so well, see, the, I mean, and that's why I say the Browns had to take the, the touchdown where yeah. they could, you know. And, yeah. and, you know, I think in the moment, Kareem Hunt made the best decision for the team. But, you know, it's it's hard to stop Lamar Jackson. And, okay, I know we're going to get to this. I don't know if I want to bring this question up too soon, but... Do you think Lamar Jackson would have come back in the game if Trace McSorley hadn't gotten injured? Because my in in the series before that, Miles Garrett sacks Trace and he goes down and he comes off injured, and then Lamar Jackson just comes bursting out of the locker room. Do you think that that would have happened if Trace McSorley hadn't gotten injured on that very last sack from Miles? I assume so, just because when Lamar took the field again, he did not seem bothered by what, <laughs> whatever was bothering him. <laughs> like, he's, he seemed like he was, you know, in the first half. It didn't see. I don't think he's the kind of player who would not want to come back into right. a game. So he's, he, I mean, God, he's an athlete, he's a competitor, he wants to be in that game. Because, let's be honest, the Ravens were really playing for their season last night. And yeah, sure. Lamar is... He's their offense, so yeah, I think he would have come in regardless of Trace McSorley. <laughs> okay, it's saying I hate it so much. That sounds like a fake name, right? Like it, it, does. it sounds like someone who is trying to make up like white country club names, and they come up with Trace McSorley. <laughs> I hated it. Then oh, we'll get into that too. But man, that's the only part that made me mad. Such that's an annoying it. name. Yeah, he sounds like he's like a fictional football player on TV. You know, like that would be like a story. He's drama. a character. He's a character on Friday Night Lights. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I think you know the the one minute left on the clock. That's essentially what the Ravens did leading into halftime too. I think they had just over a minute as well and went down and scored a touchdown. So. Um, 
they definitely have it in them and they obviously they did that so i wanted to move into the moral victory <laughs> because we've already touched on it a little bit but i think we all felt like yeah the loss sucked really bad but the browns were in it the entire time and this is really the first close game that the browns had to come from behind to win they didn't pull it off but they almost did all of the other close games that they've been in, they've had a lead, and the lead got chipped away, but they, they held on to mm -hmm. eventually win the game. This felt completely different in that mm -hmm. regards. And I truly thought it was a learning moment. But, Brittany, I wanted to ask you the question because so many people don't like the term moral victory. What's your take on that? Yeah, and I saw today that Kevin Stefanski sort of poo-pooed it too. He said something along the lines of, you know, this isn't a moral victory. We had a chance to win and we didn't. You know, a loss is still a loss, whatever. Um, but I'm not Kevin Stefanski, guys. So I'll take the moral victory. <laughs> if there's any way that I could put a positive spin on this, that's just what I'll do. And, you know, I wanted to point out, because I saw a lot of people getting upset about, you know, the playoff pitchers. And uh, one thing that I kept seeing people say last night was, they're not going to win the Super Bowl with this defense. They're not going to go far in the playoffs with this defense. You know, last night it was all about the defense, the defense, defense. But, you know, when we talk about moral victories and growth and how this team has developed from week one to now, I know people may not want to hear this, but I don't think the Browns' goal this year was to win the Super Bowl. You know, they, they came in with a new coach. Uh, a whole new scheme, front office, everything. Like, COVID season, you know, no preseason, whatever. But I think their goal this year was to lay a solid foundation for future growth, and that's something they haven't done since I've been a fan. So, you know, it, it doesn't always come down to the wins and losses. So if you look at the bigger picture, which I know it's hard to do because when you're a fan, you get tied up in the, the emotions of it all, and this is the first... Uh, season and forever that we have the Browns in playoff contention but you know look years ahead and say okay we're laying something solid guys like this is really something that that can last for a long time not just one season so to me it's a moral victory because the pressure was on and they didn't give up we saw the best version of Baker Mayfield we saw Kevin Stefanski do well like all of these things are are positives so yeah, moral victory. Chalk it up to moral victory. So I want to build off a little bit on what you said, Brittany, because I, I agree. I don't like calling it a moral victory, even though I guess it is. But I think you hit on a very important point in that the Browns aren't gunning for the Super Bowl this year. And I know people are tired of the waiting for next year narrative. But the reality of the situation is, is that there hasn't been a next year since the team came back in 1999. There has been nothing to look forward to in the following year because the Browns haven't been properly rebuilding. Mm -hmm. They are finally, for the first time since 1999, in a legitimate, proper rebuild. This is what a rebuild looks like because rebuilds mm -hmm. are only supposed to take two to three years at the most. And at the rate the Browns are going, they're very far ahead of schedule and they're probably going to be where they need to be by next year. And... Sure. That's that's something to be excited about. And I think for the people who are you know, expecting the Browns to go to the Super Bowl this year need a, a little bit of a reality check. So this is we are we are still in a rebuild. 
but you need to i guess take comfort in the fact that this is what a proper rebuild looks like and this yeah. is what happens when a team is legitimately turning themselves around right and it's okay to take baby steps like think yes. about that in any part of your life you don't go from zero to 100 and everything that's just not how life is structured so the the browns are taking baby steps in the right direction if they played this game any other year can you imagine them them trying to come back under you know hugh jackson against this ravens team it like, would have never happened no freddie kitchens no greg williams maybe but only for <laughs> only for a period of time before you know greg williams was greg williams again but you know this is what i'm saying like last night was so satisfying to me regardless of the outcome because i also feel like if there was just a little bit more time i had full confidence that baker would have taken them right back down and did it again and that is such an improvement that is so much growth from where we were last year. Yeah, if you guys recall, I forget which episode it was this year where I asked both of you, it might have been like through game three or four, where I said, do you have trust in Baker Mayfield putting the team on his back and leading them to a victory at the end of a game playing from behind? And I, I think remember. in the moment, we all were hesitant that we mm -hmm. didn't feel confident in answering yes to that question. Yes. And I think the last two weeks that question has been answered 100%. And yeah. and that goes to show you that the growth that's happened in 13 games, yeah. the expectations have risen for fans, from fans, for this team, because we've been winning. Like, yeah. everything is just getting bigger, and, and you expect more out of the team the more that mm -hmm. they win. And that's okay. Um, but it's the loss to a division rival that I think people have a hard time swallowing. And I wanted to talk about that because at least in my Twitter mentions today or what I noticed the most, it's this whole Ravens and Steelers measuring stick that drives me crazy a little bit because I just want to make one thing clear. And that is that the Cleveland Browns in the year 2020 are a good football team and can play with anyone. If I am any other team in this league, I don't want to face this offense. Yeah. Lamar Jackson had to play his best game of football to beat the Cleveland Browns. That yes. has not happened for a Browns team. Other teams no. typically don't have to play their best football to beat the Cleveland Browns. And we faced a division rival that, quite frankly, had to play flawless. And here's the other thing. The Browns were not flawless in this game. And they still almost won. That, again, is a huge stepping stone. And so I'm just so sick of this whole rhetoric of until they beat the Ravens and the Steelers, they're nothing. Guys, we beat the Ravens and the Steelers last year, and we went 6-10 and 10 with Freddie Kitchen. Right? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, like, what is the logic of that? And I will also say this, and, yeah, I'm a little bit biased, but I truly believe the Browns were the better football team yesterday, and they didn't win. They were the better football team on the field, and they didn't win. They looked better than the Baltimore Ravens. And quite frankly, the Pittsburgh Steelers, if I'm them, I'm terrified because they scored seven points on Sunday night. They don't look good to me. So no. I, don't need to, I don't need this whole Ravens and Steelers comparison. The Steelers have a great defense. But I actually think we can score on good defenses. We did against the Ravens defense. 
they're not an easy team to score on. And we dropped over 40 points. No, I mean, that's impressive. And I think, you know, to your point, the Steelers are on a steady decline. Yes. Like, they're not getting better. They're not going to get better. I fully 100% believe that. I think they hit their... And I don't even know what their peak was, honestly. <laughs> like, they just sort of coasted I mean, on their mediocrity yes, exactly. into 11 wins. And, like, I don't... I. To me, that's the biggest mystery of the entire season for everyone. I, I mean, can't figure out how they did it. Their their peak was probably the week that they beat the Browns. Pro- yeah, probably. Yeah, it was probably the best they looked. Yeah, I mean that to me that that's it. And I just I feel like fans just want to find a reason to be upset, angry, and miserable. Sure. Like they're just looking for it. Like this team is nine and four. That's incredible. Oh, but we didn't beat the Ravens. Even though, like, exactly like you said, Bree, last year they beat the Ravens and the Steelers, but it was a terrible year under a terrible coach, and everything about that team was awful. Let me um, it was almost, I mean, last year was almost worse than 0-16, and the Browns still beat yeah. the Ravens and the Steelers. How many teams in the NFL do you think could have beat Lamar Jackson playing like that last night? Maybe Kansas City. There, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, because Maybe. Yes, because Kansas City's best defense is their offense. And right yeah. now that's kind of that's what yesterday felt like for the Browns. I mean yes. we'll we'll get into the details of the defense and really what broke down, but the Browns offense kept them in the football game. But I think that's the only answer is Kansas City. Yeah. And I said the Ravens were literally playing for their season. They could not afford to lose this game yesterday. They needed to win more than the Browns did to keep their playoff hopes alive. And, you know, lately they might have struggled because of COVID and people being out. And I honestly expected them to look more tired than they did yesterday because that was their third game in 12 days, which that's a lot of games. And you would think a team that, you know, has been COVID-ridden, that they would come out looking a little bit more fatigued than they did. I was surprised they did not. That did not seem to be a problem at all. Um, But, yeah, like I – I can't think of of any other team that would have given them that game, considering how well. And, I mean, he really did just carry that entire offense. Well, that's sort of his thing, I guess, where he just carries the offense. He is the offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he came out in a way last night that I don't think we've really seen him play that well this year, except for maybe week one against us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Bree, you sent us uh, a a tweet in our group chat from Aditi Kinkapwala where she pointed out how dynamic the Ravens offense is and how dynamic the Browns offense is and how just flat and one dimensional the Pittsburgh offense is. Uh, And that was a really exciting thing to see, but I was reading that tweet and I was thinking about it. And after seeing Trace McSorley in for a series, are the Ravens, is the Ravens offense really that dynamic without Lamar Jackson? No. No. Yeah. Like, so. No, they're not. Their entire I, everything is built around the one person. So yeah. when he goes out, like, who are you gonna put in to be Lamar Jackson? There, there's only one Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So I think that's where the Browns have the advantage because if something were to happen with Baker Mayfield and they had to go to to the backup quarterback, the offense, the Doesn't weapons. Fall apart. Yeah, the the offensive line, the the running backs, the fact that, you know, you've got Donovan Peoples-Jones stepping up, you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got your your 
dynamic duo. You're fire and ice with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, and you've got this offensive line that can protect just about anything. Mm-hmm. Like, if Baker were to miss, miss a game because of COVID or miss a few snaps because he needed, you know, some attention on the sidelines for whatever reason, I have confidence that this offense can continue to do what they're doing. And I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is invaluable because he's not. Like, he is absolutely... important key to the offense, but the Browns offense would not look as bad as the Ravens offense did without Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And we can get right into it because like the defense that Lamar was playing against outside of the line. I mean, that's, that's a second string secondary. The linebacking play has been suspect the entire year and they did not show up yesterday by any means. Um, And that's the other thing that I get frustrated about with these people that want to just use these measuring sticks of the Ravens and the Steelers is this defense is not the one that we expected or anticipated having at the beginning of the year. I mean, Grant Delpit was supposed to be a key of this defense and was probably drafted to go up against a guy like Lamar. So you didn't have him. You don't have a Pro Bowl cornerback in Denzel Ward playing in this game. Um the linebacking plate, Mac Wilson, he he didn't even record a tackle, I think I read. I don't, no, he didn't. After I don't like think so. throwing down Derrick Henry last week and then he just goes missing. Not one. But he has a t shirt from GBR work guys. I okay, I still love Mac. I I'm know, sorry. I know, I know. Like, cause here's the thing. One of the reasons why I, I realized that Mac is mediocre to the points where he's, you know lacking on the field i get that but how many times do you have someone who is that excited to be in (laughs) cleveland because how because so many people shit on this city so much and you even hear players saying that they don't want to come here or they're not happy here or whatever reason and now you've got this guy who's literally getting on top of the rooftops on East 9th Street and screaming to the clouds how much he loves Cleveland. Like I just I just love that attitude and I really just I'm I'm hoping that someday Twitter Mac shows up on the field. Listen, that attitude would be a lot easier to love if he tackled. I know. <laughs> it's nice and it's cool and I love him I for it, but like I would love him so much more if he tackled. Like, that one play, I want to say it was in the fourth quarter, and he just completely missed the tackle, and whoever it was ran it right in. It wasn't Lamar. It was someone else. But, I mean, he is now... (laughs) I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) All this mean stuff is trying to come out of my mouth, and I'm, like, actively suppressing it. Swallowing it. I was I was so frustrated. I felt like, in, maybe in the first half especially, I just felt like there were bodies flying around, just like diving and missing all over the place. <laughs> it was, I was bad. like, It was just a sea of orange pants flying and missing. It was bad. I, it was, and chasing. I saw a lot of yes, chasing. Yes. Yeah, although, what was it? Uh, was it... Was it Olivia, Olivia Vernon going after Lamar? Yeah, which was the saddest sight I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, no, there was one play, and I and I want to say it was Olivier, where he was he literally ran circles around Lamar and eventually got yes. him down. But it was it was almost comical to see. But oh, and after he did it, okay, so like this was probably a couple plays before that, but Olivia, well, I don't know. Olivier Vernon was was running towards. He was trying to chase Lamar. 
and I audibly laughed because I'm like, dude, that's just stop. You you don't even have to make an attempt at this point. That man is gonna smoke you. And then after he got smoked, that happened where he was running circles and running circles, and then he finally got him down. And then he gets up and he's doing the the strong arms and flexing. And I'm like, um, excuse me, Olivia, we saw what happened <laughs> before this. You might want to humble yourself a little bit right now. Yeah, that that defense is rough, and I think it's it's obvious that the defense needs Miles Garrett. That defense is nothing without him. Sure. Um, but I think it's also pretty obvious from the game against the Ravens that Miles can't carry the defense by himself. Yeah. They did get a few sacks, though, yesterday, yeah, which was impressive. And I felt weird because I tweeted that thing about, you know, the defense coming up big sometimes. Yes. Which for a, a defense that has been so depleted and roughed up and just not not what it's supposed to be, they really do come up big when you least expect them to. And, yeah. of course, I, I said that, and then <laughs> the entire second half was just a disaster. But, I mean, I still believe that that they're going to have their moments of, wow, I can't believe that just happened. Like when they had back-to-back sacks. I was like, wow, that was very impressive. Like I was not expecting them to do that. Well, the defense also had moments during the season where they forced turnovers and forced yeah. fumbles and picked off the ball and, you know, Sione Takitaki got a pick six. So, I mean, the defense, it's there. It's just that this is the the second secondary you know it's not it's not it it, you know it's not your first team so it's your second team trying to take that place and I think for for what it is like I think they're doing a really good job so far like yesterday yeah it was tough but you know I think that there would have been at least one turnover or a pick if Denzel Ward was on the field yeah I think so too yeah especially I I mean if, if Lamar throws that's the thing that was yes. frustrating. And I say, like, oh, we'll just force him to throw it. Like, that's an easy thing for me to say while sitting on the couch <laughs> eating Cheez-Its. Just force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. What's so hard about that? Well, it's probably impossible. And I'm sure it's <laughs> it's very hard to force that man to throw the ball. I wish they could. I wish there was, like, a magic wand that you could just, you know, throw around and be like, all right, Lamar, all of a sudden your feet don't work. Thank God his cleats were, like, you know, terrible in the first half. Yeah. I think he, that saved us a I lot. Mean, his shoes come off and he still runs for a first down. Like he is just, he's not human. He is no. a, I don't know what he is like a cyborg or something. I don't know. Like it just, he is so good and it's annoying that he's that good. I think if he didn't play for the Ravens, if I think he played for a team that wasn't in the AFC North, I would love him so much more. But the fact that the Browns have to face him twice a year, I'm just like, oh, Damn it! Yeah, and but... the the Ravens the Ravens knew, man. Everyone was making fun of the Ravens for taking him in with um, their last pick in the first not round. Everyone, of the draft. well, Hello. everyone ex- everyone except for Brittany. Like Brittany knew, Mollis was right. Well, but... there we go. Can I just say though that he's literally ruining my life today? <laughs> I always knew the end of me would come because of my love for Lamar Jackson. It's ruining my relationship. It's ruining my credibility as a Browns fan. And let me, I did not love him last night. Let me make that very clear. Because people are like, oh, who are you going to root for? Lamar, your your love child, your baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't ever, ever want Lamar to do well against the Cleveland Browns. I don't want that. Why? Like, I have a show about Cleveland, you know, sports. Why would I want Lamar to, to beat the Browns? But, you know, I have this thing where, okay, so you know how some people are like, 
Well, I don't judge players for what they do off the field. I just care about what they do on the field, right? You know, mm-hmm. that crowd who, mm-hmm. you know, people could beat up people and whatever. And they don't care because it's not being done on the field. I'm the exact opposite of that. So if I see a good person that's just likable and, you know, I he sat at the draft with his mom and clapped for every single person taking as he fell all the way down to 30 seconds. And I was like, man, I'm never going to be able to root against this person. I just, I can't. So when I see, I because there's so many terrible things in this world and so many terrible people, when I see good people, I just want them to do well. Like in life, in any part of life. I don't care if it's, you know, they're a teacher or working at a grocery store or playing in the NFL. If I see good people, I just want them to, to have a good life and be happy. Well, so I will never apologize <laughs> for loving Lamar Jackson because, there, oh my God, there was a moment last night that normal me would have like gotten emotional, but I, I was trying to suppress myself and be a, a normal person. And he went over to the sidelines and I don't know why, but he, I don't know if you guys saw this. He went over to the sidelines and like gave Harbaugh a big bear hug yes, for I reasons. That. I don't even bizarre. know why he it did really it. Bizarre. I don't know why, but like I'm sitting there and I'm, I want to cry because it's so cute. And I know I can't because I'm a Browns fan. It's, it's torment. <laughs> Well, Lamar Jackson is doing what Josh Rosen said that he was going to do. Like, after Josh Rosen was passed up and chosen, what, seventh, I think, in the draft? And he was like, six teams, I'm going to make six teams sorry or something like that. I think he was lower than that. I think he was like 10th. Yeah, yeah. He was saying, like, there are whatever, however many teams teams. have made a mistake. Yeah, and I'm going to prove, and, you know, he didn't. And Lamar Jackson just sat there quietly. He's kind of like, like similar to Nick Chubb. Just sits there quietly, keeps his mouth shut. And then when you give him the ball, he just turns on beast mode. So... Okay, this Um, is a love fest. I have to stop you both right there. (laughs) Sorry. I can't handle it anymore. Yes, Lamar is a great person. But I'm going to take it back to the fact that the Baltimore team, like, lives and dies by Lamar Jackson and what he is able to do. And I have to say, from a passing standpoint, he made some passes against a very depleted Brown secondary, passes that probably should have never have been completed. They were all scramble passes that got completed. Mm-hmm. I would hate to be one of his wide receivers, to be honest with you. I think it would be really, really hard because it doesn't feel like they are designed to be receivers in a passing offense. I get it. Lamar is dynamic on the ground. Mm-hmm. He loves, what's his face? The tight end. Mark. Big Mark. Yes. Andrews. Is yes. that his name? Big Mark. I, I already Mark. forgot. <laughs> Mark. Mark. Big Mark. <laughs> Which is also <laughs> annoying. Um, because that seems to be the guy that he likes to throw to the most. And it makes sense to me because those are typically shorter passes, whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, I hate playing against Lamar Jackson. And, and I do actually think that Baker Mayfield's better. I, I do. You take away Lamar's run game and I just, I don't think he's anything special anymore. And I think a lot of teams are starting to figure that out about him. So I am fully on board with. Baker Mayfield may very well be the best quarterback in the AFC North. Well, I don't I, I disagree. Just want the, I want the Browns to figure out Lamar Jackson because they clearly haven't yet. Well, yeah, but I, I don't think I'm... they're going to. There are some people, you know, whether I, it could be like baseball or whatever, but there are some players who just very do very well against specific teams. Like they could have career days against specific teams. And I think Lamar Jackson is just going to continue to be that 
against the Browns. Yeah, and I, I think really do. The Browns have to build a defense knowing that they're going to be up against him year in and year out. And I think that's what they're starting yeah. to do. But unfortunately for us, the entire defense is essentially injured. So I have full faith in Andrew Barry. And I think Kevin Stefanski's game plan was a little bit of we need to dominate on offense in order to keep up with Lamar because you're not going to stop him. Like no team game plans. Like, yeah, we're going to lock down Lamar Jackson. Like that's not going to happen. Um, and the defense wasn't good enough yesterday because they couldn't contain him. Um, they let him run all over the field. His arm really didn't beat you except for some of those chunk plays, which that's a problem. That is a problem. But that's where Lamar is so good because you have to worry about him running. So then, you know, you panic and then you you try to contain him and then someone eventually opens up because he's scrambling. So, you know, you're going to be you're going to give up those chunk plays like that's going to happen and you're going to give up some big runs. But um, I have faith in Andrew Barry to figure out the pieces that need to be added to go up against him. And I think the, the Ravens are more so of a focus than the Steelers in the future. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers team, are dead. The they two, are dead. Yes, the two teams that played last night, like this is the future. And then you throw Joe Joe Burrow in there, you know, like obviously he's he's injured this year. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's the future. It's these young, dynamic quarterbacks. And we're going to be in for some really fun games. Imagine meeting them in the playoffs again for a third time. That could happen. I, I am so excited for the day when the top three teams in the AFC are the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers, uh, and the, and the Ravens, and the Steelers the are, no, I, I, the Bills are fun. I mean, the Bills year. are fun. That's actually another like, really fun thing that you didn't expect because the Bills are another team. The Bills and the Browns are so similar. They are another team that people tend to look at on their schedule and say, oh, that's going to be a win, but they're nine and four, three or 10, 10 and four, and, something like that. 10 and I don't even know, but yeah, but they're they are a tough team this year. Yeah. So I'm so excited and so happy for the Bills, especially uh, especially since the Browns have a game against the Bills. That's just gonna be that is gonna be so much fun. Can I say something that sounds weirdly unpopular yes. and I don't know why? Uh-huh. I don't like the Bills. You don't? I don't like Bills Mafia. I don't really like Josh Allen. Like, there's nothing about the Bills. And I see, I was I was talking on the phone the other night, and I said when we were watching the Bills and the Steelers game, and you know, I see all the Browns fans, you know, making uh, like their logo brown and orange and yeah. saying, yeah, Bill's Mafia, we're one and the same. And I'm like, I was cheering for them because I wanted them to beat Pittsburgh, obviously. But, you know, while I was on the phone, I was like, if if Buffalo blows this, like, I will hate them. <laughs> I hate them. And like, there's no loyalty there. I don't feel like we are kindred spirits with bills mafia i don't feel a connection to the buffalo bills i don't know where this thing came from where you know like oh yeah we're like the same people Mm, not really i i would hate you in a second if you lost to pittsburgh right now i would not even think twice about it i think that comes that stems from the fact that browns fans and bills fans are kind of cut from the same cloth like they are ride or die i'm gonna support my team no matter what like if we're 0 and 16 1 and 31 i'm still riding hard with my team and the bills are the same way. Although their fans are a little more psychotic because Browns fans, I, I don't think are, are going to be sure? throwing their, their fans <laughs> through tables. Although I'm sure we there's a few, be. I mean, there's a few Browns fans that I'd like to throw through a table, but <laughs> we're not going to name names tonight. Well, yeah. And they've always had the Patriots. 
that obviously all like they were they were the team that you had to beat and they could never beat them. I mean, that's essentially what the Browns like the Browns have had oftentimes like two teams ahead of them in the division that they could never get over. And if you get over one of them, then you have a really hard time getting over the top. So I feel like the Bills also have had to deal with just the Patriots dominating um, year in and year out and and really yeah. just kind of being the little brother, which is how I think the Browns are viewed as the little brother of the Steelers and Ravens, which is so annoying. Yes. So annoying. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we, we kind of covered a lot of the bad in the defense, but I did want to ask you guys a question because the defense was just horrendous. Was there a play that sticks out to you as a defining moment? And it, it's unfortunate that there were many, um, but Brittany, I'm going to start with you because I think this is what made you really mad last night. Yeah. So for me, the only play that I found heartbreaking yesterday, and the only time where I was like, this is probably over, was when McSorley was in and it was third and long. It might have been like third and 10. Like it was, it was long. And he threw it and converted it. Yep. And that broke me because I was like, you know, it's Ow. one thing I will make all the the excuses for the defense if they're playing against Lamar Jackson. I will say, you know what? You can only do so much. He's, you know, just built differently. He does things differently. But you can't let McSorley beat you. 100% that, agree. Like, that was it for me. They could have done anything else, and I would have been like, meh, all right. But that was that was the dagger for me. That was the only time where I was upset. And it set up, because he then, I think, got sacked a couple of times and then that set up the whole Lamar coming in the heroic Lamar Mm -hmm. coming in to essentially Mm -hmm. score the touchdown to take the lead so I'm 100% with you Brittany that was mine as well and one that I don't think got talked about enough because even when Lamar came in to throw the touchdown to go ahead the Browns got the ball back and went right down the field and scored so it's not like it's not like that that was the defining moment but you stop Trace McSorley there and you get the ball back that was it. They just had to stop him. Yeah, and, and they couldn't. They didn't do it. And I think it was like a wobbly pass too. It was like, it was. It just, was terrible. Yes, yeah, it was floating. I think that was to Big Mark too, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <darn> it <laughs> That's Big just Mark. what we're calling him now. <laughs> Big Mark. <laughs> Big white Mark. And then Meredith, I have to bring this up because I know how much you stand him. But Cody Parkey, your boy, perfect. Parkey. Oh, Mayor. Yikes. He left that broke points. my heart. He left four points on the board last night, which a lot of people have also been bringing up that that essentially was the reason that the Browns lost. I think it's really tough to, to blame one person because there were so many things that didn't happen that needed to happen. But Meredith, Cody Parkey, what's your take on that? So I don't think I don't want to put the loss on his shoulders. Like, yes, that those four points would have been valuable at the end of the game. Um because there were a lot of other terrible things that happened during the game, but I just, I wanted to cry. I was so upset. I was, like, I was so, because all I wanted, I know, I just wanted this redemption arc for Cody Parkey, which he has pretty much had up until this point, because I, I'm pretty sure up until last night, he was perfect, because there, there were three either field goals or extra points that he had missed. Uh, but I want to say two of them weren't necessarily his fault. Like one of them, I think the ball was tipped. Another one, um, they broke through. And then there was one where he did legitimately miss miss a field goal. But yeah, up until last night, I like anytime Cody Parkey came out, I was so confident. And I was like, all right, 
here's an extra point on the board. Here's an extra three points on the board, which we haven't been able to say, you know, for a while, like Austin Seibert, woof, like I, I was shaking anytime Austin Seibert came out on the field. I forgot he was a person. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, it was heartbreaking and it made me sad. And I just, I hope that he can redeem himself. And I hope that Browns fans aren't you know, too hard on him. Oh my because gosh, they that was, were that was already harassing game. him on Twitter and then people calling for him to get fired. <laughs> Just, oh my God. I want to see them go out and try and kick a 43-yard field goal. Like they did that in Chicago. Like after Cody Parkey missed that or he double doinked it or whatever, they had a fan competition. Wait, that was him? They, they, yeah, they had a fan competition out in Chicago where they invited fans to come out and try to get, kick a 43-yard field goal. And not, I think the only one that made it was someone who was like, a former professional soccer player or something like kicking is hard and people don't realize it. You know, it was that meme that you posted the other day, Brittany, that I just, I was crying cause I was laughing so hard. Where it was like the dude in the, the wife beater, the fat wife beater <laughs> on the couch. And it's like, he's like watching the Miss America pageant and like, while he's like shoving Cheetos into his mouth, he's going, yeah, her nose is too big. Like that's, <laughs> That is literally literally my Twitter. I know. I know. I saw that. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. It was perfect. But that's how I also feel with Cody Parkey, too. You've got these people just sitting on the side, like sitting on their couch, eating chili dip. Being like, oh, yeah, I could love Cody Parkey. That was like me last night eating cheese at saying, why don't I just stop from running? So I, I'm still I'm still a Cody Parkey stan. I'm still going to defend him. But it was one of those, you know, in the moment, I was upset with him. I was very mad at him, but I forgive him because there's no better kicker in the NFL right now outside of Justin Tucker, and you're not going to get him. So deal with it, Browns fans. It's either him or Austin Seibert, and you don't want Austin Seibert. You guys, I'm like sitting here laughing because I feel like this just goes right into it. But you're talking about like sitting on the couch eating Cheetos watching a football game and making commentary. (laughs) Meanwhile, like same, same for me, except like the one thing that I absolutely 100% knew that I was right about was when Lamar disappeared to the locker room. (laughs) As someone that has an inflammatory bowel disease. I 100% know that's the shit run. That's the diarrhea <laughs> attack. Like, I got to get to a bathroom diarrhea now. And you cannot tell me differently. I have experience in this field. You don't I run for cramps. Not Now, did you believe they showed that video? Yes, like, that's that was exactly so embarrassing. Let that man poop in peace. As soon as I saw that, I was like to my mom, I was like, Lamar has the trudies. That's what we call diarrhea. <laughs> the trudies. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there. We've all had that moment happen. Like, oh, and the way he like pushed that person out of the way, like, get out. <laughs> yeah, that was that was, was a like, waddle. He was, he was tiptoeing. Yeah, it was there like was tiptoeing because like you can't run there's... too hard. Oh, he was clenching. <laughs> oh, there's... if Lamar's running that slow, there's a reason. <laughs> he he had a turtle situation going on. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, so but- also I want to bring this up because I asked I asked um one of the guys on our broadcast who is a former NFL player with the situation and he was like, Oh yeah, easily one hundred percent he had the shits because 
there are so many resources on the sidelines for cramps, whether it's Gatorade or salt tablets or physical therapists, even if you just have to like run and take a whiz really quick. He said that they have places like intense on the sideline where you can just go run and pee really quick. He was like, if you're going to the locker room, it's one of two reasons. You're either very seriously injured or you gotta take a shit. <laughs> I mean, oh, that definitely. just makes me laugh too, because, um, I mean, pooping is funny just in general, but like, oh my God, I like, I was, so I am sitting there at work and I'm having to concentrate and keep focused on the broadcast. And I, I had tears streaming down my face because I was trying so hard not to laugh because of all of like the poop jokes in our group texts and all of the poop jokes on Twitter. I was just like, cause nothing gets me faster than poop jokes. Like that never, just, it kills me. It kills me every time. Up. We never really grow up. I remember when I was working at a grocery store. This is a very serious story, guys. I was working at a grocery store when I was in college. And my boss there, she told me, she like, I don't know how it even got brought up. But she was talking about how she was at Kohl's one day or Home Depot maybe. And all of a sudden she got the bubble gut. And she's like, oh, my God. And then uh, she later told me that she pooped her pants. Oh, no. And I laughed at her. And she's, like, in her 40s at this point. And I laughed at her. And she's like, Brittany, you laugh now. But at one point in your life, you will shit your pants. <laughs> she said, it happens to everyone. I, it hasn't happened yet. But, you know. <laughs> oh, I've had mine. I don't even know if I should share this publicly. Please do. Do it. Poop is always funny. Oh, yes. I was in Central America on a work trip. Oh my god, I love this story so much. <laughs> yeah, you guys know, right? Do I tell you have to one? tell it again, though. <gasps> okay, so you're not supposed to drink the water down there. And I didn't, and I was very diligent. I legit put a shower cap over my faucet so that I wouldn't even brush my teeth with the water. I was very careful. But one morning, I ate fruit, and I believe it was cleaned with water. I was also on antibiotics for a sinus infection on this trip, which also side effect. Combination of the two, not good. I got the bubble guts in the middle of a van on an hour car ride through oh. a literal volcano where we were traveling down a bumpy dirt road and every bump, it just hit me. <laughs> I had nowhere, I didn't have a locker room to escape to. Oh, no. I had to tell the driver who did not really speak English to stop the car. I was with a van full of co-workers. I saw a sign that I thought said El Baño at a restaurant. I had him stop. stop. I did the Lamar Jackson run into the restaurant, found a toilet, then realized I was in a person's house. <laughs> making tortillas and i just thought that it was a restaurant oh my god so here's the kicker all of my co-workers knew that this happened and then i was fine the rest of the day no nothing else bad happened but we were leaving the area and the driver let me sit in the front seat so that i wouldn't get sick again and i noticed that he had a bunch of bananas sitting there and he was like oh would you like a banana and I was like no I'm okay thank you and I was like where did you get the bananas from he was like oh I bought it from the people 
that you use the restroom at their house. So in exchange for the toilet, you bought a bunch of bananas. Oh my god. That's my favorite story. So yes, Brittany, I never thought it would happen to me. And it happened in like the most inopportune time of my life. But yes. So you went into someone's house. <laughs> I ran. I was like, I'll bond you, I'll bond you. <laughs> oh god. Imagine seeing little Bree just run through your house into your bathroom. Like, who is this person? <laughs> I know. So I, I said, like, I've told this story to multiple people because it is like hilarious in hindsight. But if anybody were to ever stop at my house and need to use the restroom, I will let them in arms wide open. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, how do we get back to the offense? The Browns offense. You don't. You can't come back from poop. Poop poop always wins. Okay. Okay, we have to get into the offense. I'm sorry everyone, I took us down the path. It just felt right in the moment. Um okay, so Baker Mayfield and the offense. Um second week in a row with a statement opening drive that resulted in a touchdown I mean they just looked on again Mm -hmm. um and we have to talk about Baker Mayfield's resilience um he had 340 yards three touchdowns um three touchdown three touchdowns an interception um and his first interception that was recorded after 187 throws what I liked from Baker he didn't let that shake him um we talked about this earlier he proved he can put the team on his back drive down the field in a tight game and go win it if it came down to that. In fact, after his touch or after his interception, he went 11 of 14 for 149 yards, two touchdown passes and had the touchdown run. Um, this offense is clicking you guys another um, week of scoring 40 plus points. And I have to say like my appreciation post is for Donovan Peoples Jones. I mean, the kid has stepped up mm-hmm. in big spots this entire season after OBJ went down wasn't really planning on having a role in this offense. And, and I love what I see from him. Yes. Brittany, what did you see from the offense? Um, so I wrote this down. I said, I got a text last night that made me very happy. And the text just said, Baker has become very good at doing the little things. And I saw that last night when, you know, the game was super close and he saw – a, a Raven struggling to run off the field in time, and he tried to hurry up, hurry the offense up, and snap it to get the penalty. They missed it, and to be fair, the refs probably would have missed it because they missed fifteen guys on the field. <laughs> Inexcusable. They should all be fired after that. How do you miss fifteen guys on a field? That's beyond me. But you know, we've talked about growth and watching Baker get better and better and better. And I think the story of last night, to me, Baker Mayfield was the best player on the team last night. And I don't know how many times we we've we could confidently say that this season, but I think last night was the one of the first times that Baker Mayfield was the best player on his team in a game. Yeah, I, I agree. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I one of the things that I that I really loved out of Baker last night. I know we were getting frustrated when Kevin Stefanski wasn't running the ball. Like at one point, we knew that that needed to happen, but the fact that Baker had such a successful passing game yesterday showed that it 
his passing game against Tennessee was not a flash in the pan, that that is a legitimate offensive weapon that the Browns have. And we discussed this a little bit with Lindsay okay in, in our preview episode for, for the Browns and the Ravens. Now every team has to not only scheme for the best running backs in the NFL, they also have to scheme for a very accurate and very focused Baker Mayfield. Like that's just making him a bigger weapon and just making the offense that much harder to plan against. And I agree, Brittany, I think Baker was the best person on the field last night and that's great. And I think that people need to be excited and happy about that. And for the love of God, stop saying that the Browns need to draft a quarterback. Stop it. Yeah. Do you think stop it? I'm going to hit the, I hit the microphone. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Do you guys think that we can officially drop the whole game manager title? Oh my God! Um, I hope so. For the so. love of God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we never, <laughs> we never we never wanted that title. Get rid of it always. We never wanted that title in the first place. We all hated it. Yes. Yeah, and Brittany, the other thing that you touched on too, you brought this up pretty early on this season in our podcast, where you really were saying that Baker Mayfield needs to be smart. That is mm-hmm. what he needs to excel at, um, and that's what yeah. you wanted to see from him. And I think all the things that you brought up about him rushing to to the um, line to get the snap off. He's recognizing all of these little things, and yes. he really does seem to be just absorbing the game. He's able to read defenses now. He doesn't seem to be tricked. And I think mm-hmm. early on in this season, he was unsettled in the offense. And right now, he seems very, very comfortable. And I think the more comfortable he becomes, the more dangerous he's going to be. Yes. I remember that now. Like, I forgot about it until right now, but we did – uh, this is probably before the season started, maybe like the first, I don't know. But we said, you know, there are, th- are fair criticisms of Baker or things that people worry about with him. One of them being his height, which he, you know, there's nothing he can do about that. Um, he's never going to be the fastest. Like, that's just not in his wheelhouse. He's not like a, a dual threat. He's not a Lamar Jackson or Russell Bolson. Or he's just, he's not. So there, there had to be something that Baker could improve on to make him a threat. And I do think all of these little things that we're seeing this year, these are the things that are eventually going to make him a very good quarterback. And we're week by week by week, we keep seeing little improvements here and there. Him noticing things where last year he might not have. Him getting rid of the ball when he needs to, when last year he, he wouldn't have done it. Um, bouncing back from, from throwing interceptions when you know last year he would let that get in his head. There are just so many little mental improvements that he's making that, um, you know, I don't think, you know, Bakerdales give him enough credit for these things. <laughs> Bakerdales. Well, speaking of, we're going to get into our last, seg- well, a couple of segments, but Dales from the Crypt. Uh, the Bakerdales. <laughs> Dales from the Crypt. They just won't go away. Um, but I think we each have a, a Dale from the Crypt moment to share on the podcast. So, um Brittany, would you like to kick this off with your, your Dale of the Crypt? Of course. Of course I would. I called this Dale Buckeye Dale. <laughs> so I had a few men in my mentions last night and today still hating Baker Mayfield. Um, I call them Buckeye Dales because I'm not going to say, is it a coincidence that they all have either Buckeye references in their name or... Buckeye, you know, photos, like this is a normal thing. So, you know, I'll let you make your own conclusions. I call them Buckeye Dales because that's who they are. Um, So some of the things that that were tweeted to me last night were, 
how low are our standards that we think this is good, talking about Baker Mayfield. Um, he can't beat the two best teams in our division, which <laughs> we statistically are one of the two best teams in our division. So, uh, Baker threw his worst interception of the year that directly led to seven points and was the difference in the game. Can't blame the kicker without blaming the leader of th- this team. Um, Baker was responsible for 42 points last night. So, okay, Dale. Um, and then this one. These are my favorite ones. Because you know that your stance is stupid, and then you just double down on it with for no reason. So this guy, too, he said, I doubted him. I still doubt him. And that was it. That's it. That's his whole, I, I doubted him. I still doubt him. Okay. Good job, Dale. Like, come at me with something. Why? Or come at me with why? Like, did he say why that he doubted him? No, that was it. That's why it was so funny. Oh, my God. That was it. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. So you've got, so you've got, him. still doubt him. So you've got men being like, women are too emotional, blah, blah, blah. And this guy is just, I, I don't know, making, coming to conclusions yeah, like, based on a feeling. Saying. They have these stupid stances and they just double down on him with nothing to go on. And I'm just like, all right. It just, it stems from them just not being able to admit defeat, like when they're wrong or looking at an opinion. Because this is one of the reasons why I hate the old takes exposed Twitter account, because they just use it to bully people who had something that turned out to be wrong. Like none of us are fortune tellers. We're not, you know, we can't read the future. If we did, we probably all would have sold our stocks before 2020 hit. But that's the thing. I hate that account because it's okay to have an opinion that turns out to be wrong later. You know, something happens. Because how many times on this podcast have all three of us said, okay, we said this in the past, but we were wrong. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Like, it's okay to admit that you were wrong and change your stance and correct yourself. Listen, my 13 and 3 prediction is done, dead, buried. (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) Exactly. But but that's, that's why I get so annoyed by it. And that's why I get so annoyed by these Dales because they just, they get this one opinion and the world could literally burning be burning down around them and they'll still say it's snowing you know yeah. it's just they they can't admit that they were wrong and i don't know why because there's nothing wrong with being wrong as long as you own up to it and correct yourself sure so uh, i'm off my snow bo- soapbox now no it's okay meredith do you have a dale you would like to call out i mean we were talking about the argument that i got into with my cousins because they were pretty dale-ish sure anything <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I was, so this was on set, it was either Saturday or Sunday. So it was before the Ravens game even happened. And I was talking football with two of my cousins because I mean, that's with these particular cousins, that's pretty much all I have in common with them is sports and bourbon. We can't really talk about anything else. So we're talking about the Browns and we're just talking about football. And one of them says, well, I don't like Kevin Stefanski. And I'm like, fucking excuse me. (laughs) Like, what? And then he, his first argument was that Kevin Stefanski was too conservative. And I was like, okay, at the time, it's now four for four, but at the time, or no, it was four for four total. Kevin Stefanski had trick plays. Like, we had Odell Beckham Jr. throw completion. We've had Jarvis Landry throw now four completions. We had a toss to Kendall Lamb. How is that conservative and then of course he backtracks and goes oh no no i mean like in the second half he gets too conservative and that's and i was just like it's not necessarily him being too conservative like that's part of it yes like obviously in the titans game he was definitely trying to run out the clock which is why he kept going for the run game and stifling baker 
But firstly, he's a rookie. Uh, and secondly, teams make adjustments. Like, that's what good teams do. They go to the locker room at halftime and they make adjustments. And that's what's happening against the Browns. And it's going to happen against a brand new offense and a brand new head coach and a brand new staff and brand new everything. They're going to, they're going to get figured out. But the reality of the situation is Kevin Stefanski is still leading these teams to wins. He's still calm, cool and collected on the sidelines. Like he does not get hot. He does not get angry. And my cousin is still trying to argue that he's too conservative. And I'm just like, no. And he's like, well, if, if Kevin Stefanski can show improvement, then I'll like him. What? He's, coached less than a season he has been with this team for less than a year we've got a 12 game sample size that has been a vast improvement from week one to week 14 so i don't know what what the what you're looking for like why you're so angry at kevin stefanski right now like who do you want instead and he didn't have an answer for me and then i changed the subject because i was getting angry and i was like if this if this conversation goes any further, I'm going to say some mean things to family members that I may or may not be able to take back. So that was my daily, my daily experience was with my family. Oh man. Like Sorry. I, it. again, I said I was off my soapbox, but I just got very angry again because reliving this conversation infuriates me. Yeah. Mine Tough for the scene. week. Mine for the week were like the football coach, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the ones on their couch with the Cheetos. <laughs> me. <laughs> But you're not a Dale, though, so that doesn't count. Yes, Dales do not admit that they're on their couch eating Cheetos, okay? They are living in the glory days of the time that they coached peewee football, and they know and can break down all of the coverages that defenses need to be in in order to stop Lamar Jackson because the sixth grader that they coached against one time was just like Lamar Jackson. Or, oh my God, on, on the radio station this morning, we legit had a caller. Okay, I was going to pull that up because... <laughs> okay, yes, pull it up, please. Someone tagged me in it um, because I was... <laughs> I, I, don't even, I don't even know who it was. It might have been our, our um, loyal listener, Adam, that tagged me in this. Um, but Keith Britton tweeted out that the candidate for the best call-in at 92.3, the fan history with Ken Carmen and Tony breaking down the Browns. And this is, I quote, I played flag football for 15 seasons, but the principle of cover two, cover three, zero cover is still the same. <laughs> <laughs> who runs a cover two? Like, who runs a cover two in flag football? Like, you should I, not let people call in. <laughs> like, just ban people calling into radio stations altogether. You, you have no idea how happy I don't that would to. make me. Oh, my God. That would make me so happy. They but... are the entire reason I do not listen to sports talk. Oh, my God. Because I can't, I yeah. can't stand it. I was on, I was on like, a, a Bumble date maybe about a year ago or something, and I was talking with this dude who probably couldn't wouldn't know a football if it hit him in the face, which is fine. Like, I don't have to date someone... Uh, who's obsessed with sports but he asked me what part of my job do I like the least and I said the callers Uh like you know Uh we have okay we have some really good really fun really interesting callers we do have callers that make salient points but then you have the angry callers that just want to argue that just want to scream that just want to like just shout I have been called awful names by these people off the air like i just uh, 
if we I, I don't think we can ever get rid of callers but if we could just like limit callers to like one or two segments a show or something like that because my goodness they just they make my life difficult I was trying to like figure out what would be the equivalent of this for me like what would I say to someone that is no longer relevant but I act like I'm the expert in it because it happened to me when I was in my childhood and like the only thing that came to mind was like I won the spelling bee in second grade. So like, <laughs> does this make me now an expert in all things? Oh, we have that. We have to think of that now. So yeah, what what so would I'm... we be an expert in? Brittany, do you have something that you would be an expert in that you did once? Um, I don't. You can't put me on the spot like that. Know, my I'm brain sorry. doesn't work that quick. I mean, I've got. I've. I mean, I've got a few. Like I play. I played in one volleyball tournament when I was in the seventh grade. Um, and then, then, then the next year I couldn't play in the volleyball tournament because, um, everyone got taller and I didn't. (laughs) So I went from being one of the tallest people on the field to the shortest people on the field. And then it never changed. Um, but I could be an expert in volleyball from the one tournament that I played when I was 12 years old in the seventh grade. Oh, I have one. I played clarinet when I was in fourth grade. And I used to do that thing or like, I was so bad, but like, you know how Homer Simpson has like Lisa saxophone? Yeah. He's like, saxophone. <laughs> That's how I played the clarinet. I was like, Clara Manet. <laughs> so ergo, so, I am an expert. You're yeah. an, you are a clarinet expert. Okay. I am a clarinet expert. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever have any clarinet questions, you are my first call, Brittany. Clara Manette. The next, time, the next time I tune into a symphony or an orchestra, Brittany, I will be reaching out to you. To get Please do. And I will give them unsolicited <laughs> advice on how to play. I will give the orchestra advice on how to play clarinet. From your couch with the Cheetos. Exactly. Okay. All right. So we will close out the show with our final segment. It's time to bounce back, you guys. We're the Browns. We're positive on this show. And I wanted to just go yeah. over the remaining games on the schedule. There's not many left, you guys. There's only three games left in this season. Um, but I can't believe it. I know. This this time has flown. It's been the longest, slowest year. Um, but the Browns are facing off against the Giants again on primetime, Sunday night football this weekend. Giants are 5-7, and seven, but somehow still have a chance to win the division, <laughs> which, like, wild, right? Like, why can't the Browns be in a division like this? Um, but they're a well-coached team. They obviously have something to play for. Defense has been pretty solid. So I'm hopeful that the Browns will bounce back from this loss and come out just playing the game that they know how. Okay, so I have to, in in the spirit of admitting when you were wrong, I think at some point during this podcast, I think I said that the Browns had a game left against the Bills when they don't, for whatever reason. In my mind, I thought the Sunday night game was going to be against the Bills and not the Giants. Like, I knew it was going to be a New York team, <laughs> I but I don't know. Maybe it's because... that the Browns were going to be in the playoffs against the Bills. Yeah, I, that, that's that's prob- that's definitely 100% part of it. But I just, in my mind, I want to see the Browns play the Bills for this uh, year for so many no. reasons. <laughs> so, like, in my mind... Myself. Yeah, I know. In my mind, I was thinking that this up... No, it's against the Giants, Meredith, not the Bills, you dum-dum. So, okay. I, I will correct myself from an earlier statement in this podcast okay so then the browns also face their former selves in the jets which are essentially the 2016 browns right 
but much worse. Yeah. I'd like, I just need everyone to know that. The Yes. Yeah, the but gen- like, you know, okay, so I was thinking about this too. My dad is negative. We've talked about this before, like super negative. Mm-hmm. He said to me on Sunday, he was like, I think the Ravens will end up having a better record than the Browns when the season is over, which I hate that. It, it's very well possible because the Ravens have a pretty easy, easy schedule. schedule the last three mm-hmm. games. The Browns, you know, they're going to have the Giants and the Steelers. Who knows what kind of Steelers team we're going to get. Um, but I just go back to the 0-16 season. Like, the Browns almost won games. Like, is this how the Jets are going to be? Like, are they going to still be trying at this point? No. no? I don't think they've been trying. <laughs> I think they've been trying to lose <laughs> oh, this whole time. It's so hard because they're adult male football players that get paid for this. So, like, I don't know how they're this bad. Because the, the 0-16 Browns, they almost won, like, five yes, or six games. Almost, yeah. Yeah, they only got blown out that year, I think, maybe once or twice it wasn't a lot so they were in every game they almost won five or six of them so and and the jets are not even kind of close to where that owen 16 browns team was which is amazing to say but that's what it is and how adam gay still has a job oh is beyond me it's, know, you know ass. what i i just i think he has superpowers in his eyeballs like he hypnotized he has like <laughs> blackmail on there's something there's something going on Ooh, let's put on our tin hats conspiracy yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i am i am so i am all i really for just conspiracy did, like sometimes i'll be laying in bed and like i'll just think of him and i'm like why is he still working do you think that triple this... e greg blew the game thinking that adam gase would take the fall and then he would become the head coach Ooh, do you think he tried to pull a, a todd haley and <laughs> yes! Jackson? i would not be surprised <laughs> so why not he like he like took the idea and he saw that and he was like okay well it didn't work there like, yeah he well he didn't he didn't do, Craig Williams. he didn't do a very good job but I bet I could do it better <laughs> thanks for the idea Todd oh, Todd um, and then the Browns will wrap up their season with the Steelers against the Steelers Ooh. do you guys yes. three wins two wins I see three wins very man fun. I hope so I that would be too. that would be the dream. That would be the dream. I, the Steelers are going to be a tough team, even though they are frauds, and I think they're being exposed. Fraud. It's still, it's still like the reason I think the Steelers is going to be tough is I think both teams are going to be in a position where they're playing for the season in that game, and I, I am worried that the Steelers are going to turn it on against the Browns the way the Ravens are able to turn it on against the Browns. So I'm not looking at that game as a loss, but I am. That's the game that I'm circling on the schedule and saying this is the one that makes me nervous. I had, and I hope he's listening, a Steelers fan co-worker, as soon as the Browns game ended in the loss, sent me a DM on Twitter with like 85 laughing faces. Ugh. And I wanted to respond and say, sit down, your team scored seven points on Sunday Night Football, and you have a 40-year-old quarterback <laughs> with a noodle arm, and your receivers can't catch the ball. Noodle. Noodle. And they have no running game at all. No. Like, at wait, all. You should be terrified. Like, And that's yes. the thing that bothers me the most, is that people still think that this is like the same old Browns. I am so sick of hearing same old Browns. No, if you watch the entire game, the Browns were the better football team and you can't argue different with me. And they are on the ascent. We Mm -hmm. are going up the hill. The Steelers are quickly rolling down the hill. The Browns are rebuilding, man, and in a good way. God, I hate everyone. Mm -hmm. Except us. Yes, I love you guys. (laughs) 
All right, guys. Well, this was a really fun show outside of my embarrassing story. That's in. No, that was the best part of the show. (laughs) Easily. Uh, We're just going to call this one Bree's poop episode. The one where we talk about poop. Oh, uh, I, I put a title in in the rundown, so we we've got we've got a poop we've got a poop related title ready to go. Yes, I there love we it. go. All right, well, this was a fun show, guys. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. We hope that we gave you some hope for the next three games, and we lifted your spirits after that tough loss on mon- on sun- Monday night. Jesus, what day is it? On Monday night, and we will be back next week breaking down the Sunday night football game. We hope you guys have a good week. Stay healthy. Don't forget to listen to us, um, download us, rate and review us, and we'll talk to you all next week.